0: I'm Roger Baker, Executive Director of the Stratfor Center for Applied Geopolitics at RAIN, a global center of excellence for geopolitical intelligence and analysis. Learn how you can put geopolitics to work for your organization at rainnetwork.com.
1: Welcome to RAIN's Essential Geopolitics Podcast. My name is Emma Kami, and I'll be your host today. In today's episode, we will be discussing the outlook for the United States economy in the face of substantial uncertainty. Here to shed some light on the topic is Marcus Yeager, Reign's Global Economy Analyst. Welcome, Marcus. Hello, how are you? Good. So to start us off, um, how has the U.S. economy been performing post-COVID and how will recent banking sector instability affect the short and medium-term outlook?
0: Yeah, great. Thanks for the question. So, like a lot of countries and economies around the world, the US economy rebounded quite sharply, which is not really surprising. This is simply what you get when you get deep recessions. And uh, the COVID crisis, the pandemic really, really pushed um, economic growth into negative territory, which is not surprising, right? You you couldn't go out, you you couldn't consume, you wouldn't want to go out. And even international trade came under a lot of strain. So not surprisingly, a lot of the de- demand collapsed in, in early 2020 and and, and um, triggered a very sharp a sharp downturn. <clears throat> Subsequently, with um, the uh, somewhat staggered reopening in the United States, again, like everywhere else, economic growth rebounded very, very sharply. Uh, that's also not really surprising because typically when we do get sharp recessions, we get also what's called V-shaped recovery. So a very, very... A uh, very very sharp increase in in demand, and then later on investment. Then of course also trade rebounded. International trade started going again. So in the United States, the the uh, e- economic growth surged, and um, then subsequently of course, and this is again very very normal in these situations, economic growth adjusted downward, and that's not really surprising because. As you may recall, a lot of people weren't able to spend money during the recession and during the pandemic. So they had lots of savings. And when the economy reopened, they started going out again, they started buying things again, going to shops and so on. Uh, That of course, can't last and it it hasn't lasted and economic growth has adjusted downward. Now interestingly, in the US, we had uh, two quarters of negative growth earlier this year, which Means that technically the U.S. was in a recession, even though that's a debatable issue. There is a there's a, there's a group of people that decides whether or not there, there was a recession. But technically, it two quarters of negative growth. And um, subsequently, the economy has continued to grow. Um, but the the expectation is that uh, growth will will slow down further, and that's largely due to the fact that interest rates uh, have been have been rising. They've been pushed up by the Fed. And um, on on the issue of banking sector instability, um, this is uh, something that is still going on. Uh, as you know, there were a couple of banks that that collapsed and were taken over. Here, there is a concern that if that if that crisis were to spread more broadly, I don't think it will. But if if it were to spread more widely widely in the U.S. You would get a very significant economic downturn, but as it stands, I think the 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 drag on economic growth from this crisis will be quite limited. That's in part due to the fact that the authorities intervened very forcefully in um, and on the few occasions when when banks were wobbly and had to be taken over. The concern, though, is that because of the this instability that banks would be less willing to extend credit to the real economy and that this would then bring about a further drag on economic growth as a result of of lower credit extension. So I think at the margin what what we've seen over the last quarter or so will be negative for economic growth and will weaken the US economy further without necessarily pushing the US into recession again. Um, that's something I think there's a lot of uncertainty around, like whether we're gonna go into recession again or not. But I think it's it's fairly reasonable to assume, and the uh, indications are such, that we will see a continued slowdown in economic growth in the US economy over the next two quarters or so.
1: And what is the outlook for inflation and Fed policy?
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a very interesting one. So as I mentioned, with the economic reopening, there was a surge in demand, and that did a couple of things. First of all, people started going out, consuming services, consuming goods, but labour supply uh, was uh, had, had, had fallen. Um, sadly, some people, of course, passed away. Other people were sick, and yet other people, they had more money in the bank than before the pandemic. They didn't necessarily feel the immediate need to re-enter the workforce, Or indeed initially they were still scared about entering the the workforce and being exposed potentially to to the virus Um, in addition as i mentioned earlier on you had a rebound in trade but the supply chains were kind of messed up so you had this huge increase in inflation that came with the economic rebound in in 21 and 22 And on top of that, then, of course, in early 2022, we had uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, which sent energy prices soaring, particularly in Europe, but also to some extent in the United States and food prices were were up as well. So this led to a very, very sharp increase in inflation. In fact, um, these are the highest level that uh, most of us have seen in our lifetimes, the last, the last time we saw inflation at those levels was in the late 1970s, early 1980s. So it's kind of interesting because we thought we had vanquished inflation, and yet we saw this very, very dramatic surge. And of course, the Fed started from a position of where interest rates were basically zero and had to really jack up rates quite, quite dramatically to contain inflation. Uh, which is exactly what what the what the Fed has done, and so rates went from from about to from a quarter quarter points to five and a quarter um, five hundred twenty five basis points. So, a really massive tightening of, of of Fed policy. What this has done so far is well, it's it's not quite clear what the causality here is, but what we've certainly seen is after this very significant surge of inflation we've also seen a downward adjustment. That, to a large extent, is owed to falling energy prices, which have somewhat normalized following following, um, Russia's invasion of Ukraine last year. And also the supply chains, which I had mentioned earlier, they have normalized a little more. So what we've seen is this combination of a normalization of post-COVID demand, in addition to monetary tightening, um, has led to, to, a fall in inflation. But when I say a fall in inflation, what we've really seen is a significant, a fairly significant decline in in headline inflation, but core inflation and core inflation is inflation minus energy prices and food prices has also declined somewhat from its peak, but is still fairly high. So I think policymakers right now are in this difficult position where they need to assess Number one, where is the economy headed without further interest rate hikes? Secondly, they have to assess to what extent the hikes that they have implemented over the past 12 months or so, to what extent they will impact demand and credit extension going forward. And they'll have to answer the question, as I mentioned earlier, what impact will the banking sector crisis have on credit extension, hence economic growth. Right now, I think they're really sitting on the fence. The, the tightening has been quite significant, as I mentioned. Inflation is stabilizing, but core inflation simply is too high, so this is why markets at the moment are putting about a 60% chance on a further 25 basis point interest rate hike by the Fed on uh, June the 14th. So that should then hopefully do the trick and, and bring down inflation. but. All I would want to emphasize here is a significant degree of uncertainty, we are in this paradoxical situation where we have declining headline inflation, stable core inflation, and what the Fed really deep down would like to see is a weakening of labor markets, because the core inflation that we do have is to a large extent the result of, of services inflation, and that points to the continued tightness of the labor market. So you know it's kind of not right to say that the Fed would would want to see a, a weakening of the labor market. But in a sense, that's what the Fed requires for inflation to fall further. And just I I try to stay away from numbers in, in this conversation here, but I do think it's, it's quite impressive. It really is impressive when you when you when you mention labor market figures. So unemployment in the United States is at 3.5%. That's the lowest it's been in more than 50 years, and that's despite the fact that the Fed has increased rates. So again, this is the tension. You have falling headline inflation, you have stable core inflation, and you have a continued tight labor market as far as we can tell, which puts the Fed in this difficult situation um, in terms of whether to hike another 25 basis points or maybe wait, and on top of that you have the banking sector crisis. So, Um, I think the outlook is, if I had to put my own money on this, I would say the Fed is going to go for another 25 basis points in June, and then probably pause there until the end of the year. But I would also emphasize, this is very much driven by, by data. So if for some reason we were to get higher inflation coming in, then the Fed might yet still be forced to hike further. But that's at this point not my baseline scenario.
1: And how will the present debt ceiling issue affect the economic outlook?
0: So the the debt ceiling issue, well, hopefully it's being uh, moved off the proverbial table. Uh, this could have been a very dire situation. So if if the U.S. hadn't defaulted, or if maybe I should say, if if the U.S. were to default on its debt, then it's very difficult to say what exactly would happen. But it's very clear that it would not be good for the economy. It wouldn't be good for financial markets, it wouldn't be good for for the the movement of credit around the economy. And depending on how the default would materialize, it would probably also lead to a fall in government spending. So for example, checks wouldn't go out to people receiving Social Security and so on. So this would have been a a very difficult situation financially and, um, and economically. So Which I think is why if this whole episode about the debt ceiling had dragged on into like June, the Fed might have been somewhat more reluctant to hike interest rates because you really don't want to hike interest rates in a situation where this debt ceiling issue could really undermine your economy and your financial system. I think now, however, on the assumption that the debt ceiling is lifted, that the House Republicans and the White House and, and the Democrats in the Senate they they stick to the deal, they they, they pass the increase in the debt ceiling, I think there's, there's there's no no reason for the Fed to pay much attention to the issue. Um, so in that sense, it kind of opens opens the path towards uh, this potential 25 basis point hike. So. Um, Of course, on the other hand, if if, if that were not to materialize, if there were a further delay in in passing the necessary legislation, which ideally needs to be passed by June 5th, then I think it would lead the Fed to reconsider. Because once again, the Fed would not want to hike interest rates in a situation where a debt default could potentially trigger a, a recession. So in that case, they would definitely hold off until after the debt ceiling has been raised successfully.
1: Thank you so much, Marcus, for your analysis. There's certainly a lot to be paying attention to right now. You can learn how geopolitical events like this could affect your business with RAIN Worldview. Our flagship risk intelligence products provide clients with access to the insights and analyses they need to make more informed decisions and drive better risk management outcomes. Sign up at RAINNETWORK.com. That's R A N E NETWORK.com. I'm Emma Kami. Thanks for listening.